So why should we even care about a referendum in Ireland? The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to the official podcast of Love Times 2. If you're a new listener, I'm glad you could be a part of this discussion, and I really hope that you'll make this one of your favorite podcasts. And you know what? I've got some great news. Uh, We're closing in on upgrading the quality of this podcast. So hopefully, you'll be noticing a really big difference uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Better mixing, better delivery, better everything, I hope. Uh, So thank you for being patient as we grow. This is really a work in progress. And you know, Love Times 2 is a work in progress. So thank you for walking with us on this journey. Now, you know, if we had all the answers, life would be pretty simple and we wouldn't need to rely on our faith at all. But, you know, life isn't simple. If you haven't figured that out yet, life is not simple. And surfacing solutions isn't easy and it's not quick. So Love Times 2 is content to move ahead one step at a time. I get impatient, and I know that uh, my leadership team, we all want to do great things. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're ready to move ahead, but we want to move ahead one step at a time and watch for where God is going to do some amazing things. We want to be where he is already at work. Well, we're seeing a lot of areas of the world right now with a lot of interesting stuff that's going on. Today, we're going to be talking about a recent world event that has major implications. And that's the recent vote in Ireland to repeal its Eighth Amendment to the Constitution, which means Ireland has repealed its protections for unborn children. It's something we really need to talk about, especially when it comes to how we answer questions like, uh, how did this happen in the first place? Or maybe, you know, what are the undercurrents that all fed into the repeal of the Eighth Amendment in Ireland? What does this mean in the long run? And really, what does it mean for other parts of the world, like here in the United States? So, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that we, we need to talk about, something that's having a big impact, something that uh, really we can analyze and hopefully use uh, for good as we move down this road. Now, I've got a confession to make. The Ireland referendum wasn't even on my radar screen. You know, sometimes I tend to get really locked in on some things that are just right in front of me, and I lose track of really big issues like this. So it became, uh, you know, not became, it was an eye-opener to me when I was in a meeting literally the day before Ireland's referendum, and a colleague prayed about the outcome of the Irish referendum. And that prompted me to start uh, checking out some things and, uh, and looking at what this referendum was all about. And I quickly realized, wow, that you know, this was going to be a history-making vote. One way or the other, whichever way it went out, uh, whichever way it turned out, this would be worth watching because it was going to be making history. Now, here's why Ireland's referendum was such a big deal. Ireland's Eighth Amendment to the Constitution, adopted in 1983, is pretty simple and straightforward. Here's what it says. The state acknowledges the right to life of the unborn and, with due regard to the equal right to life of the mother, guarantees in its laws to respect and, as far as practicable, by its laws to defend and vindicate that right. 
So what you had in Ireland was a recognition that both mom and baby have a fundamental right to life that's to be protected. I mean, the referendum was all about whether these dual protections would continue or not, protecting moms, protecting babies, uh, protecting both of them. That's what this referendum was about. And you may have heard by now that the referendum to repeal the eighth succeeded by a two-to-one margin. And at its core, this means that the killing of unborn children is now fully legalized in Ireland. But it became readily apparent that there are many deeper themes that are in play in this referendum. Now, writing in Crisis Magazine, K.V. Turley notes, the referendum pulled together a perfect storm of sorts that included multiple factors. Turley wrote this. Here's his quote. Increasingly unwilling to be defined by religion, the Ireland of 2018 sees herself and wants to be seen as fully European. Its political elite accepts without question the liberal tenets that now dominate the European Union's social, economic, and political thinking. There is a constant fear in the Irish psyche of being perceived as peripheral, rural, backwards, a relic of the 19th century English stereotype of the Irish. The modern Irish Republic sees any overt link, therefore, with its Catholic past as part of that baggage. That's the end of Turley's quote. Now, Turley also points out that Irish media did its best to make this a one-sided conversation in which pro-life voices were demeaned and stereotyped, while the PR machine, you know, this grinding PR machine that uh, was behind the repeal of the Eighth Movement, captured the high ground on perceived compassion and, and, you know, placing those in the save the eighth, mostly in a defensive posture. And let's face it, I mean, this was a spiritual, political, and cultural war on stage for the entire world to see as this whole thing uh, unfolded. Now, simply by following the postmortem provided by progressive news streams, I found some really thought-provoking, sometimes chilling commentary that reveals more and more about the cultural undercurrents that were in play in this entire referendum. I'm going to just step back right here and say again, something you hear me say time and time and time again, change the culture and the politics will follow. That's exactly what we're trying to do in a positive direction with Love Times too. Build a culture that says both mom and baby should be loved, valued, and respected. And when the culture gets there, the politics will get there. But here's what we need to get a grip on. This principle works regardless of which direction the culture is moving. We're trying to move the needle in one direction, and there are others that are trying to move it in a completely opposite direction. That's called real life. And this is why Ireland is now an object lesson for everyone everyone willing to step back and pay attention to what happened here. And let me say this as clearly as I can. Ireland repealed the Eighth Amendment because Ireland's culture started shifting a long time ago. This is the result. It didn't happen overnight, but it did happen within a shockingly short span of time. I mean, we're talking 1983. I mean, uh, a lot of you weren't born in 1983, but some of you were. And uh, that's not that long ago. In 1983, Ireland passed the Eighth Amendment to protect the unborn. And 35 years later, in the grand scheme of things, if you're 18, 35 years seems like an eternity. But I'm telling you, 35 years is not that long a period of time. So 35 years later, the Eighth Amendment is dismantled. Now, it's my understanding that abortion supporters in Ireland adopted an incremental strategy that slowly and steadily eroded the protections of the Eighth Amendment until they finally reached this point of a full repeal. And unless there's a major cultural reversal that 
frankly, no one sees on the horizon right now, Ireland may never get the abortion genie back in the bottle again. That's how serious this is. Now, I'm seeing headlines that call Ireland's vote a quiet revolution. I saw one that called it a rebuke to conservatism and, and even one that called the referendum the demise of the church. I mean, wow, somebody's really filling their oats by calling it the demise of the church. I do wonder what the headlines would have been if the Eighth Amendment had been saved. I mean, and that's an interesting thing to ponder. I don't think there would be such glowing reviews uh, by the media had that happened. Uh, here are some of the quotes in the aftermath of the referendum. Ireland, Ireland's prime minister said this, quote, This is Ireland's second chance to treat everyone equally with compassion and respect. We have voted to look reality in the eye, and we did not blink. That's the end of the quote. Honestly, uh, this is such a bizarre contradiction. Am I the only one picking it up? I mean, you just voted to dismantle a law that respected the lives of both moms and babies, and now you can say this is about treating everyone equally? I mean, wow, I just don't know what to make of that. I, I do think that comment about we did not blink is sort of this ironic throwback to the Old Testament in which the prophet Jeremiah openly called out God's people for being so corrupt that they couldn't even blush any longer. I mean, they couldn't even blush. Ireland didn't blink. What a sad statement on the human rights of unborn children. Now, many of those pushing for the repeal of the Eighth turned it into an opportunity for just jubilant celebration. One of the lead campaigners to repeal the Eighth was quoted uh, in this magazine. She had broken down in tears of joy and said, I dreamed of people to think like this, but I didn't believe it. Uh, here's a revealing comment. A 22-year-old college student who supported the repeal said, this issue is more than just a medical procedure. It's about how women have been oppressed. You know, two points I think worth underlining here. To this student, the issue of taking a life has been defined in terms of a medical procedure, which sure makes it sound really dehumanizing, doesn't it? And the oppression of women, uh, which not so subtly undermines the dignity of motherhood, is how this student, this student at least, is perceiving this, this issue and the entire referendum. You know, I doubt these were the terms that she just came up with. It does give us great insight into messaging and perceptions and messaging and perceptions over a long period of time. Even this was so disappointing to me. Even the legendary band U2 got into the mix. I mean, let me just stop here. I mean, U2 has always been sort of a question mark. Uh, they've been very outspoken on a lot of social issues during their time on the world stage. Uh, but they've always been, uh, as far as I know, they've always been dead silent on the issue of abortion and other issues. But abortion was like that glowing issue, like where does the band stand on it? Uh, because, you know, they, uh, they do a lot of stuff that has Christian themes behind it. So as a fan of a lot of the earlier stuff, when I saw that you 2 got involved by supporting the repeal of the Eighth Amendment, you know, this is just messed up. I mean, I've watched over the years as this band has weighed in on, on so many things, um, and now we know. I mean, really, really, really disappointing. One fan wrote this on, on their Facebook page. This breaks my heart. I have loved and followed you for over 20 years. I still love you, but I can't follow you down this road. My tickets to upcoming shows will go unused. Well, now we could be making a serious error if, you know, everything I just read to you, from you two all the way down to authors and activists who are cheering this thing on could make it look like this was a totally one-sided vote and it wasn't i mean this was not a one view lens that this repeal should be looked at through uh this was not a unanimous 
repeal. And there are many heroes in Ireland who are fighting for a different outcome. And I want to give a shout out to all of you in Ireland that were fighting to save the eighth. And I, I read this quote from the group known as Save the Eighth, and it stated, what Irish voters did is a tragedy of historic proportions. However, a wrong does not become a right simply because the majority support it. That is a powerful, powerful statement. And it reminds me that even when we get outcomes we may not like, we still carry on. Not only because this is a human rights and a human justice issue, but because we all have value. We are all created in the image of God. Well, there are so many ways we can look at this referendum and so many questions that we can ask. Maybe the biggest question of all is whether it even makes any difference how we think about Ireland's experience. I mean, what, what difference does it make? I think it should make a huge difference in how we act, how we speak, and how we view the importance of the culture around us. This is on us. It's on all of us. It's all part of shaking our fist in the face of God and saying, you know, we'll destroy whatever we wish to destroy with no shame, without apology. Uh, that's what, you know, we're saying to God when, when this type of referendum goes down. This was truly historic and not in a good way. And as pointed out so well by blogger John Daniel Davidson, the Ireland referendum marks the first time in history, get your head around this, marks the first time in history that a people have freely chosen to embrace mothers freely killing their unborn children. Davidson writes this. Here's his quote. Once the shock wears off, however, even this should not be so surprising. The entire Western world has concluded against the claims of Christianity and in accordance with the pagans of ancient Rome that the unborn have no rights. The reality that so many of us do not wish to confront and that the Irish referendum thrusts upon us is that liberalism divorced from Christianity means nothing less than the reintroduction of the pagan brutality of Rome where life was cheap and the lives of the weakest were the cheapest. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful statement. Think about that. In America, we can point to the Supreme Court. We can point to politicians. We can point to political parties or judges. We can point the finger and say, hey, it's your fault. It's your fault that we have abortion. But the people of Ireland have embraced the responsibility for their own actions. And why? Because the culture has so dramatically shifted, and now the politics are following. Think it couldn't happen in America? Think it's only the fault of the Supreme Court and not the culture? We had better think again. If that's what we're thinking, we had better think again, and we had better start thinking again right now. And we had better act with wisdom and clarity before Ireland's referendum becomes prophetic to America. You know, the real battle is for the hearts and the minds of the people. When we lose that focus and we get obsessed with politics and election cycles, we take our eye off the ball and we put ourselves at risk of the culture shifting away from us, sort of like a riptide, shifting away from us faster than any of us might ever imagine. Now, one final note, and I'm done. One of the most discouraging things that I hear when I've been talking to folks about Love Times 2 as we're a brand new startup and as we're working this mission to, to generate Christ-centered culture change, one of the most discouraging things that I hear is that, you know, great idea, impossible task. I, I, you know, I've heard that quite a few times. Great idea, impossible task. Maybe not in those exact words, uh, but, you know, that's kind of what's being said. Well, let me just say this. I mean, just honestly, my guess is that the Irish abortion supporters – we're told the same thing in 1983 when Ireland enacted its Eighth Amendment. 
they didn't let it stop them. And now we see Ireland repealing its protections for the unborn 35 years later. So here's the question for everyone who thinks Christ-centered culture change, great idea, but maybe it's just a pipe dream. Let me just ask you, why would we have so little faith in our own task, and more importantly, in the God who creates every single life in his own image? Is there not a cause? Hey, that's it for this episode of the Love Times 2 podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, I hope that you'll share it with others on your social networks. And hey, don't forget to email me at contact at lovetimes2.org to let me know what you think about what we just discussed about Ireland. Hey, always remember, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2.org. Thanks for listening.